Welcome to the Churchmount Sheepdogs podcast. In this series, I interview handlers and experts from Ireland and indeed from all over the world. And the aim of the series is to spark new ideas for training and trialing for the listener as a result of these conversations. The series is in part sponsored by Away With Dogs, a new sheepdog trial YouTube series. And you can find out more on awaywithdogs.co.uk. Recently, I was fortunate enough to meet a, a German handler called Dr. Viola Hebler. Viola describes herself as a hobby handler. I'm not sure if this is really true, though, because, uh, you know, she's been qualified for nearly every world trial there's been. She's been in a lot of continental finals with various different dogs. And she was reserve uh, continental champion one year. So, um, you know, she's quite an accomplished handler. In this interview, she talks a little bit about her philosophy or her, I suppose, her training philosophy and the type of dog that she looks for. I was amused. I asked her a little bit about her training facilities there and see what she had. And so it's uh, it's quite an achievement what she's able to do with the simple training facilities that she has at hand. But here you can listen to her as she explains it now. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello, Viola. Wie geht's es dir? That's a cool beginning. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine, yeah. Sehr gut. So Viola, you're at Sheepdogs for a very long time and, and you live in Germany. How did you come to get started with Sheepdogs? That was that was by utter chance. Um, I was breeding sheep before and um, a friend of me gave me a, a little border collie bitch and I got her from a shepherd and she was very shy and I didn't have a clue but when she saw my sheep um, it was a different dog. And so 1990 it was, uh, we founded the ABCD, the German Sheepdog Society, and I've been at it ever since. Very good. Uh, we're here at the European Nursery Championship in Holland, and the first time I ever met you was back in 2015, and you were in the final that year with Gizmo. And uh, I wasn't here in 16, but you were in the final again. Um, Gizmo, for me, he's a, a very attractive sort of a dog, but... Um, I love his style of working but a friend of mine said to me earlier today he said the thing I like about Viola is yeah she has her dog under control and all but she still lets her dog think and work and that kind of thing he said uh, you know she lets him she lets him have some of the control and is that true to say Viola? Yes um, that's very true and sometimes it backfires on me <laughs> uh, with Gizmo I've been really lucky it's, it's a partnership he does part of the deal but uh, that's what I've done um, with more with all of my dogs, uh, to be to be honest, I'm I think I'm very old fashioned. I like uh, old fashioned type of dogs. I like what the Scottish called a line dog, a dog that would just lean out to balance and think for themselves. And um, to be honest, I think we should have a lot more competitions with a silent outrun lift and fetch because um, you you get you get a pretty good picture of the of what's in the dog. I love to see a dog on, on a fetch or a drive and he's hanging off there on the heavy side and that's what I saw with Gizmo. And uh, like in your early days, so you're over in over here in Germany, uh, who did you look to or who influenced you? Or maybe maybe you went to somebody for help, I don't know. Like, what, how did you get? Yeah, I got, uh, I got started. Uh, I looked at Klaus Berner and then Anna Krüger, but I really got started 
when I had a clinic with Thomas Longton and uh, then Simon Moss has been a huge influence because in Germany it was a very mechanical training. Um, we had the dogs flanking around the person and so what would happen, they'd be wide at the person and cut in and especially a, a very keen dog with a lot of balance they would rush to get there. And when I learned um, the British way, the old fashioned balance training, that totally changed my view. And uh, I, I love that. And my dogs, uh, my, my second dog, Paco, some people will remember him. He, he was a hardish dog, but a very good dog. Brought me in the continental final twice. And, and he was, he, he hated that mechanical training. And with the balance, his flanks all of a sudden were good. And uh, I learned then it's give and take. And for me, I always in my training, uh, I have passages where I keep my mouth shut and I try to keep these passages as long as possible. Obviously, I won't tolerate it if the dog makes a total mess, but they shall learn to do their part of the job. And to me, that's beautiful. I just does, like it. Does that mean, just so that I understand properly, does that mean if you're training a young dog and perhaps you're driving or something and the dog is doing it correctly, that, that you just stay quiet then as long as possible uh, until you need to correct or, totally. or interfere? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. That, w that would be it. Obviously, I do the leg work first. And uh, what I do is I try to teach them to treat sheep properly. And I, I do a lot of balance work or I start in the round pen. And they shall learn it's not about me or where I stand, but in relation to the sheep. They shall learn to keep off the sheep and treat their sheep properly. And then with me, I would always only keep a dog that's capable of holding a line. Um, I'd, I'd hate to have to be telling them all the time. And they need to go where it hurts, where I say. So uh, that's the that's the heavy side. They need to want to go out to the heavy side or... If there's a strong you, they need to go for her and, and cover her. And that's something I would be very uncompromising in the dogs I have. So maybe that goes hand in hand, because if you have those dogs, uh, they'd be easy drivers. Yeah, for Does me, those, those, well, those things are very important to me. And, you know, I make no bones about it. I'm a lesser handler. And so at the pen or somewhere like that, uh, I need a dog that's helping me that's seen it before I see it or on a fetch that maybe all I have to do is check him and the dog will do the balance for me. I, I see other handlers and they can do it for the dog, but I can't. I, I need him to help. So uh, that's probably why I was attracted to Gizmo and that style. And then I like what you say about letting the dog have his head a little bit when he's correct. So that he, well, I suppose it's a little bit like rewarding him and he knows oh, I'm doing this is how to do it. This is correct. And, and it totally helps you in the big courses. You run a final course and they have to take really, really long drive or um, long fetches. And it's far more um, stressing for the dogs if they have to listen for commands all the time. Whereas if, they, if they're used to driving 100 meters on their own, um, well, that doesn't mean you don't correct the line. But I think um, it's easier for the dog if they're used to just doing it. Yeah. Sometimes I see a handler and I think, I wish a mist would blow in or a fog. And we see how good the training is then, uh, you know, when you can't see the dog and you can't help them. And so for times like that, I think the way you train is, that's how I'd like to do it. Yeah, but to be to be uh, honest, I need a dog in, in a class like Gizmo or the Don dog, Gizmo's father. 
um, to, to bring me or, or the Paco dog to bring me up there because they're far better handlers than me yes. out there. And, um, and I, I don't actually know how they train at home because on the trial field we tend not to make, not to take chances. So the dogs are blown far more maybe than they would be at home. So I don't want to, I don't want to judge other people, but I can see that there are tremendous handlers out there and they're better than me and their timing is better and they work professionally with sheep, whereas I'm an amateur and I can only hold my own if I have a dog that helps me. And so that's what I look out for. Back in 2015, when I came here, it was my first time ever to see a European nursery championship. And the one thing I was shocked at is the quality of all the dogs. I was thinking, how can these just be nursery dogs under three years old? Like, they just look so good. And I was wondering, Viola, like, because we have big places to train and I have big numbers of sheep or I have access to big numbers of sheep. I have access to everything anybody could need. But what's it like for you? Or, or like I see some of the, the Swedish and the Norwegians and I presume they're under snow for a lot of the year. And uh, like, well, what kind of conditions do you have to train dog like Gizmo to break them out the way you want? That's, that's one of the very sore points with me. I have um, only one field and that's a two hectare field and two mini mini fields but I train everything on these two hectares and I have just 20 ewes and plus young sheep training sheep and so I have to set up situations and I'm so envious of all you guys who have real work for the dogs and the big spaces and that's one thing uh, I look very much for in my lines um, I need dogs with scope I need dogs that, that'll just go on the outrun because I can't train it. I have to really drive far to, to get somewhere. And, and yeah, sometimes it's boring. I have to admit that. Yeah, yeah. This year when I came to the European nursery and I ran my dog on the first field, I got, a, I got I, I, we have an Irish word, I got a good codden, but I got, the, the sheep fooled me. I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know how to manage them. But surely then for you, it must be the same. Like, Well, it's not the same because I saw you in Ireland this year and you came over and one weekend uh, on the Saturday you won and the next day, I don't know, where you joined second or third or something. And uh, I was thinking, how can she come over here and do that? So how do you make allowances for the different sheep? Because there were two trials in two different places. I think one might have been Suffolk's and I can't remember. The other was some kind of wild sheep. I can't remember what they were. Uh, well, you mustn't forget I've been around ages now. So, <laughs> I, so in the end, I got the hang of your sheep a bit. Yes. And I had a decent dog. That helps, obviously. But uh, no, there are some continental sheep breeds I can't work out for the life of me. The little Scudden will forever be. We are together in that. Yes. It'll be a mystery to me. And But we have far worse, actually. No, it's, um, yes, um, I got better at reading sheep, I guess. And then having a fairly trained dog, that helps, obviously. Yeah. And like you've been qualified for nearly every world trial there's been. I know you won a day this year in, in, in Holland when it was here. But um, Serge said something to me. He, sa he said to me that he does 90% of his training in one or two hectares. And now you've said, that, well, that's all you've got. So I'm starting to think that, you know, maybe I should forget about all my big places for a little while and, and get back down and train properly, maybe. But um, for somebody like me, uh, you know, who's trying to improve on, on like I need to improve on my handling, um, yeah, I probably need to be a little bit tougher on the dog too. Uh, but have you any advice that you you know you give to people like me? There anything that um, 
I don't know, anything that you feel is very important or sometimes you see a fellow like me and you say, if only he did this, he could improve there. Yeah, I think uh, it's a very difficult mix. You need uh, you need the discipline, you need the um, obedience, you need the perfection. You, you school that. But um, the other thing which is at least as important is keeping um, the dog keen, the dog happy. So let them be a dog and you, if you have work situations, that's easy because you just turn the dog sour. So that's from, that for me is um, difficult. Luckily, I haven't yet soured a dog, but I know that it happened to people if you over school. And so that's um, why I try to mix letting them work a bit on their own. Well, just paces maybe, but uh, they improve. And then I set up work situations and, and you want the dog keen and happy and they need to go out uh, willing to really run their socks off for you. And so you have to balance that. And if you only school, um, you can destroy your dog. Yes, yes, I've seen that too. Viola, we were talking yesterday and I was having a good laugh with you and I was saying, you know, all these dogs that sell and skip them with their smooth uh, coats and their pricked ears. And you mentioned Thomas Longton. I always think of Thomas Longton with an old fashioned dog. But like there's you with your hairy gizmo of dog and, and there's Serge with his old hairy Gary dog. And there's a uh, Yaren there. I don't know what uh, much about Yaren's dogs, but they all look fairly hairy to me. What do you have to say about these little squeaky dogs? Uh, and, and you go for these old fashioned jokes. Um, uh, you, you got that right. So you won't catch me saying anything bad about the smooth color prick at a latest fashion. They probably beat my dogs whenever they meet them. But no, I'm actually into old-fashioned collies. Um, the ones I described, and somehow or other, most of them seem to be rough-haired. Or it's uh, maybe it's just chance because we tend to keep to our. I tend to keep to my lines. Jaron breeds his own. And uh, so we're both stuck with the same type, maybe. And um, we'll see as you had, has, has had good dogs all over the place. But Gary, yeah. Yeah, and his old Glenn was a hairy fella too. I think Serge is a bit of a bias that way too. But it's like... Well, he, Roy was short-haired. Yeah, well, he was the first and then he found out better. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, a hairy dog, like, they don't stop you performing. Like, I know you've been in half a dozen Continentals. And have you been in, are they all dogs? Where do your dogs come from? Do you breed them yourself or do you buy them or where do you get them? They were all different dogs in Continentals probably, weren't they? Uh, my, first, my first dogs I bought and um, I bought them half broken usually or Don was three years untrained, unregistered. Everyone oh, thought wow. me crazy. Yeah. Took me three years to get him out internationally, but then he went to th two Continental finals and uh, once reserve finalist. And he bred terrifically, and uh, even though he only had 24 pups, he had uh, Simon Stark, national champion, Gizmo, national champion. So anyway, um, what I live on is stud pups. Yes. I, I'm a dog person. I run yes. dogs. I so prefer dogs. And if I uh, if my dogs made a decent bit, uh, I might take a, a stud pup. So i got two dog lines and then if I breed myself, I combine them back and then see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned to me yesterday that you bred your first litter in 10 years. I thought that was incredible. And and yet you have your own dogs. And, and so that's how they come. Is it like from stud pups there for the last yeah, few years? Yeah, that's mostly from stud pups. But um, yeah, 
I've yeah, that's my that's my fourth litter now, and I'm in it since 1990. So no, I don't breed a lot. Yeah, you're not much of a breeder, but you're getting no. good results with the few that you have. Oh well, yeah, I managed to scrape and along, but yeah, stud pups would be it. Um, but I, I just want to talk about health and DNA and all this kind of thing because I hear lots of people talking about it, and this is what you should do, and that's what you should do. But when I I know that like your doctor Viola Hebler. And uh, I know that you're pretty keen on genetics and you'd be able to explain it to me without the drama. Uh, you know, it's a lovely factual opinion I, I expect to get from you. Will you talk to me a little bit about DNA uh, in, in another interview? Yes, of course. Uh, I'd be more than happy to do that because I think it's really important. And I'm, I'm really glad that you did the first interview and asked me about myself because... I'm not some crazy hysterical health freak. I'm totally dedicated to the working border collie and a good working border collie and working ability to me is the most important. But unfortunately, we, we tend to face problems, genetic problems, and um, we need to look into that and we need to see, do we have a problem? What size is the problem? Do we need to do something? Don't we need to do something? But uh, I'm certainly not a person that's uh, going out and just looking for the healthy, happy border collie, but not not capable of working anymore. That's not my point of view. But yeah, I, I'm I'm going to bore you with that yeah, very gladly good. in the next interview. <laughs> we'll look forward to it, Viola. And listen, thanks very much for talking to me this evening. And uh, it's been lovely to meet you again this year. Thanks, Viola. So thanks for listening. I hope this interview has sparked some new ideas for you. If you want to support Churchman and to learn more about us and how we train dogs, you can become a Patreon subscriber over at our website at churchmansheepdogs.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Churchman Sheepdogs.